Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. to another edition of the Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk Podcast. This is another roundtable edition with Joe Bradley, Bradley Law Firm, our host. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Good to be here. Jordan Holst of Ellick Jones. Welcome. Thank you, Dave, for having me. Patrick McNamara, McNamara Law. Hello. Hi, folks. Thank you for listening in. It's a strong <laughs> Ellen, folks. And we are here on a Friday afternoon... Just drinking some, drinking some suds, drinking some beer, and we're going to talk about a, a few different topics today. First of all, on the subject of beer, I like beer. You like that beer? Is, that is a subject. <laughs> I like beer. I like beer. I also like beer. Uh, we, we like beer. And then secondly, hint of lime. We're going to talk about electric scooters, dockless electric scooters, and how they're taking over this country, and what we think needs to be done legally about that. And then finally, but certainly not least, let's check those calendars. What are we doing with our calendars, people? What are calendars in our lives? What do they mean to us? We've really got a finger on the pulse with this podcast. It's, it's a very timely <laughs> podcast. Uh, we are, we're going to talk about the issues of the day in a way that may not be what people think they're going to be hearing, but we certainly will try our best. There's some stuff we're not going to talk about. We're, some things we're just not going to we're gonna, not going to go there. We're really good about not going there. <laughs> you know, we're we're talking about we're not talking about it. We don't want to offend Dave's mom. <laughs> Thank you, Dave's mom, for listening once again. Is that how uh, you refer to her when you go home for Christmas? You're like, "Hi, Dave's mom. How Dave's, are you doing?" Dave's mom. She's she's so well known in this pod world. Uh, so first of all, let's let's get into beer. There is a legal definition, and I think I need to start with the legal definition under the U.S. Code 26, subsection 5052, which says that beer is a fermented beverage of any name or description, doesn't have to be called beer, that contains one half of 1% or more of alcohol by volume. It's brewed or produced from malt, all or in part, wholly or in part. And malt, for those of you who don't know, Grains that have been soaked in water usually, uh, so they germinate and then they're dried. I can't go any further because I still don't understand the process of making alcohol past then. But I think you just mumble yeast and then something happens. And hops, those are a thing, and and malt and yeast and all the all things of the world. So we have that great legal definition of beer in the United States. And from there, I just want to go on. Who's a fan of beer? You're, you're, you're a beer fan? I like beer. Yeah. We're going to keep doing this, Joe? Yeah. Uh, well, I just I wanted, I wanted to make sure you, you, you like beer. Patrick, already at his wits end. <laughs> yeah, Patrick is... Is this still not, happening? Yeah, not on board with this stick. Yeah. I don't know, Dave. Do you? <laughs> I like a beer now and then. I have to say, uh, I've slowly moved into it. So, um, in terms of... What we're talking about today, though, I, I kind of want to, you know, let's go back to the beginning. Beer, it's been around for a hell of a long time. Code of Hammurabi actually has uh, in it laws, regulations about beer and beer parlors. So if you want to go back to the original legal documents that are written down in the world, it's right there. Beer's in it. Yet another thing we can thank the Middle East for. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for the booze. Yeah, I do remember my anthropology teacher, like the only science class I took in college, but I took for some reason anthropology. <laughs> and I remember them saying that beer has been in every single human civilization for all of civilization. So, Pedro, just but to be clear, you are not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, in fact, in chemistry, when I was when I was in high school, we had a substitute pretty much all. I don't know chemistry at all. So it goes it goes beer, science, chemistry, yeah. top to, to bottom. Are you saying that substitute T-to-B. chemistry teachers T-to-B. are not good chemistry, chemistry teachers? Is, is that a hot take I'm hearing right now? Yeah, I'll take that take. <laughs> 
all you um, substitute chemistry teachers, please call in to the 1-800 number that we never give you to let us know what you think about that. Caller, you're on the line. <laughs> Dave's mom again. Um, so the call number 1-800-YAY-BEER. 1-800-YAY-BEER. I know, I was thinking for a little bit. I was like, yeah. I gotta come up with something really quickly now. Nailed it. So, uh, so speeding forward in the history of beer, though, um, I think we need to talk about how it's exploded. A beer has exploded. It has exploded from, um, in 1978, there were 89 breweries in the U.S., and in 2017, there were 6,300 and rising breweries in the U.S., and uh, that's that's a lot of microbreweries. That's 3,800 microbreweries, 2,200 brew pubs, like upstream would be a brew pub. We got the 71 large non-craft beer distributors, but also 202 regional beers, like I would call that Yingling or Boulevard. Boulevard, yeah, to, to local, yeah, Boulevard. And uh, and we're talking about how much they're producing, not just how many there are, but how much they're producing. In 2004, they were producing 6 million barrels of beer a year, and in 2016, 25 million barrels of beer were produced in the U.S. That's 775 million gallons and that comes to over three gallons of beer per adult over the age of 18, which, as we know, was the drinking age in some states in previous years. We've we figured it out this week that it used that? to not be hey, wait, 21. In, in, in 1982, could 17-year-olds drink, Dave? I, I, I mean, it depends, I, it depends on the state, probably. Fun fact, know? they could not. Not in Maryland. <laughs> Not at a goddamn prep school. We're talking about it. We're not talking about it. Did you guys know prior to Prohibition, <laughs> uh, there was a, a hell of a lot more breweries than there were in the middle 20th century and until this kind of renaissance. Okay. Yeah. So there was like thousands of breweries pre-Prohibition. And then there were none or very few. When we went through Officially the, none. We went through the brewery Middle Ages, yeah. the dark days. Yeah, dark right. ages, yeah. Right. Brewery Dark Ages. And, and now we're back. As I remember from a PBS documentary watched many years ago, they were mostly German, the, the, the breweries of, of yesteryear. That sounds right. Of, of yore in the U.S. were, were very much a, a German, uh, German world, I believe. Did we have some falling out with Germany, Dave? <laughs> we, we may have uh, called that anti-American at some point. That may have, have uh, stopped it. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that part of history about the German um, dropout there. Uh, but but yeah, so so we've had this renaissance, but also, I guess, at the same time, it's interesting from a legal perspective to see the, the consolidations, the mergers um, out there with the large distributors. I, I know we're drinking, well, this looks like it's a, a micro brew from texas right now that is the busiest beer can i've ever seen yeah i've never oh, there's heard a pretzel on it yeah it says prost y'all i don't even know what that means <laughs> that, that's what that's what patrick would do i think that's that's definitely a patrick uh, yeah temperance. i think so um well, it's because i have a texan sister-in-law so i'm getting green to say y'all all the time <laughs> but I, I don't I, I don't hate it as a as a as a as a part of speech so it's it's pretty useful now that i a New Yorker coming around to y'all. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really do like it. And I use y'all um, based off of my my family being from uh, the Midwest, uh, Kansas in particular. But I think even then, it's it's a misuse of the word y'all. I don't think that they're supposed to use y'all in See, Kansas. I would I would have placed you as more of a use guys use type guys. of guy. <laughs> well, speaking <laughs> up, actually, uh, my sister-in-law actually pluralizes y'all. She'll say, "Y'all, are y'alls coming over?" Oh, I like that. That's a real. I Texan, definitely I do not like that. You don't like y'allses? <laughs> no. <laughs> y'alls, y'alls. Use guys. I got double apostrophe. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of. Look, when we're getting to y'all, I think spelling's out no, there. No, I'm right? assuming there's an apostrophe, apostrophe at the end. Because it would just if you're be... no a y'alls house. Yeah, y'alls house. house. Y'alls house. Well, now you're. That's not. But Patrick, I'm very confused. Can you explain this to me? When you say, when you plural y'all. Are y'alls coming over? No, but what if uh, you're saying, are we going to y'alls house? Would you just say y'alls or is it y'alls? Is like we're going to the Joneses? 
Now, when, now, if you pluralize yell, do you have to do finger guns when you say it? I think, yeah, I think you... Like, yeah, yell, beep, beep, beep. I think that's part of it. Got it. Okay. We are right She'll on track right say, now. This is great. All, all y'alls. <laughs> Guys, I, I got a hot take on beer. Please. Got a hot yo. take. Oh, I had a hot take on y'all. I was going to say I oh, use it purely well, as a matter of time conservation. Let's stay on y'all. <laughs> Saves me so much time. All right. All right. A hot take on beer. I've heard a lot of talk. That a couple people at the table like beer. I'm going to say this. I don't like beer, guys. Hot take. I don't like beer. Hot take. I don't like the taste. I don't like that we have super weak beer here in America. If I'm going to get drunk, I want to get drunk super fast. This one's kicking a little bit. <laughs> okay. This one here is packets. Well, again, I think, I think the alcohol in that is right. connected to how many words are on the can, which is three million... <laughs> It's a 6.7. 3 million percent ABV. 6.7 likes to, to fight in the upper. Yeah. But in the spirit of celebrating the horrible taste that is most beers, I did a little research on the worst beer. I wanted to see if there was any consensus oh out there on what the worst beer is. Oh, and I checked uh, I checked ratebeer.com. I checked another, another number of other websites. So there's they kind of mix the numbers around. But you see a bunch of names pop up again and again. You see... Uh, a lot of the Milwaukee beers yeah. in the mix. That was going to be my... Uh, M- M- Milwaukee's best, bit of a misnomer, right. I find. <laughs> because that is frequently in the in the bottom five, bottom ten. Another misnomer, Michelob Ultra, people seem to hate. Which, mm. if, for those of you that yeah, don't know Michelob bad. Ultra, Michelob tried to make that essentially the Gatorade of beers a few it's years ago. It's only 95 calories, right? Or it's, something? it's only 95 calories and... Tastes horrible. Uh, right. There's a new Mixarda jumper, jump in, jumper in there. J- jumper in, y'all. Jumper on in there. Uh, Michelob Ultra has some new beer that's healthier than Michelob Ultra. It's, it's like called water. Two carbs or something. <laughs> like 1% out. Well, it wouldn't qualify as beer, actually, under the No, definition. it has to be 1.5% yeah, or right. more. <laughs> there was one I found, uh, one called Bud Light Chilada. Oh, right. The, oh, the tomato beer. The tomato beer. Oh, yeah, no, I had the... What's the one with the clam juice in it? Clamato. Clamato, yeah. Oh, Which Clamato. I think I had Clamato once, but the doc cleared it right up. Hachacha. <laughs> but no. I had my first Bud Light Clamato this weekend, and mm. I kind of liked it. You know what's good, actually, really quick? If you kind of like that, then you'd probably like beer with a little bit of Zing Zang. So put Bloody Mary mix in it. Mm. It's delightful. Yeah, I would like that, but generally not the... The Nebraska favorite red beer, which is just... No, my mom does that. Just tomato just juice and beer. Light beer and tomato juice. Yeah. It's missing, for sure missing something. You need some heat, right? Yeah. yeah. But I will say... vegetables, guys. I will say, my friends, across the board, the worst beer on every site that I checked was your favorite of mine, Natty Light. Oh. Natty Light. Surprised. People got hate for Natty Light. Oh. I, and I... I and put it slightly though. above the, the beast. For sure. We, we, Milwaukee's best, yeah. The Beast. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was called that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, no, and so it's, uh, yeah, b- bad news for you, Natty Light. There's a reason that you can get, I think, the last time I checked, like, 48 cans for a dollar, I believe. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and fun fact, on the box, it's illegal to card someone if they are buying Natty, I- Natty Light. It's, that is, you just have just to give, give it to it them. Just give it away. <laughs> so, yeah, Natty Light. <laughs> Agreed by experts everywhere, the worst beer in the world. <laughs> and I'm being told they're not a sponsor of the show? Okay, right, sorry. right. They, they pulled out at the last minute when they, well, they were going to talk about this. I guess if we're getting into consolidation of like conglomerates and beer brewers that own everything, right. I think they, among many others, fall under uh, Anheuser-Busch. The Anheuser-Busch InBev merger with Miller, SAB Miller, uh, for $104 billion in 2015, made that one group, and they had, a, they had to move a few off to Coors, but it made them a third of all beers sold in the world. So I have a question about that. <clears throat> On the, the graphic that was connected to the article you sent, it showed that, for instance, Blue Moon and Lining Kugels were, they listed them as sold to Coors, right. but it, it said, that because of antitrust, they thought that they were going to be sold. Do you know? Oh. Have they confirmed if they actually did have to sell those off too? I it was in the fine print on the infograph. I may be giving out uh, alternative facts. That, no, no, that the, may have been. I believe the merger did happen, but there were two two beers on the SAB side, right? right. That said um, there was a sold arrow pointing to the Coors family, but it right. said 
they might have to be sold off. But it at that point in time that that was created, it was not a for that's, sure thing that, that, that those two beers had to relocate to the Coors family. So that's interesting because you're talking about antitrust and Blue Moon is is like that critical to it being, uh, you know, uh, too big of a company? Is that, is that seriously like, do they have that large of a craft beer corner going on right now that that is the difference maker? That's really interesting. I don't know because I, I, Leinenkugel's jumped out more to me just because that's one of my favorite. Yeah. Um, other than my favorite brewery, which is Deschutes in Bend, Oregon. That's my favorite brewer, but yeah. beyond that for commercial ones that, I mean, you see every everywhere. I would say Lightning Kugels is kind of fun. Question for the beer aficionados: What makes a beer a banquet beer? <laughs> they they this come with a complimentary banquet oh, lasagna. Okay, something from the frozen aisle. You get to pick one out. Original beer to be a banquet beer, as far as I know. But is that, is that it's mean it's bow tie on it, right? Yeah, it's, it comes with the bow tie. Yeah, all right. right. Fashion forward beer. Got Who it. has worn a bow tie to a banquet? I believe you did the other week. I wore. I, I tied my first bow tie. Uh, last weekend in New York. Yeah. Yep. All by yourself? Uh, actually, a Bill Nye YouTube video taught me how to do it. <laughs> Thanks, Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I truthfully will say he wasn't decorated as a instructor. Oh, <laughs> shots <laughs> fired at Bill Nye. <laughs> uh, a little little British guy played next on the like feed, and his video was much more informative. We got a surprise for Patrick. Bill Nye's on the line. Bill, what do you think about this, buddy? <laughs> I don't think he'd be surprised. It's not that thorough a video. For tying a bow tie, <laughs> and and you still haven't learned anything about science from Bill Nye, but you've learned how to kind Bill of Bill Nye the bow tie guy, <laughs> <laughs> the almost bow tie guy. <laughs> oh, we are killing him. Um, so we'll have to get into that um, the merger and antitrust stuff. I, there may have been like a percentage of of the market that that Blue Moon was going to take them over the top on. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm going to try to find, just prove to you guys that I didn't make this up. Because now, it makes always makes me question myself when I'm only <laughs> one of four that apparently noticed this. No, yeah, for antitrust reasons, some or all of these the brands are expected to be sold to the Molson Coors as a result of the merger. Right. So, yeah, and see it has Blue Moon and Lightning Kugels yeah. going. As far and as then, I know, Blue Moon is owned by Molson Coors. You do? As far as I know, yeah. Well, their their brewery is right down the block from Golden, Colorado. Well, let's Ooh, see. Let's and see. also, uh, AB InBev had to give away Milwaukee's best Miller High Life, wow. Miller Genuine Draft, and Miller Light. Yeah, they were really cornering the market on the real shit beer. <laughs> well, Wikipedia Wikipedia says explicit language, everybody. Wikipedia says Miller Coors owns Miller Coors, Molson, Blue Moon, Colorado Native, Crispin Cider, Fosters, Killians. Gross Lotch, Hams, Henry Weinhardt's, Keystone, Like, Leighton Kugels, Mickey's, Milwaukee's Best, Old English, Old Vienna, Pilsner, Urquell, Urquell, Red Dog, St. Archer's Sharks, Smith and Forge Hard Cider, Steel Reserve, Terrapin, and Tyski. I believe I can safely say that I am not going to be drinking any of those except for Leighton Kugels. (laughs) Now, the Pilsner Urquell is very good, but you named some real bad beers. Isn't Red Dog, wasn't that brewed on a dare? <laughs> I seem to recall a bunch of guys I went to high school with drinking that exclusively for a while. <laughs> any any other takes on beer here as we're talking about it? Any I, stories I, to tell? I do want to talk about that beer on trial yeah. situation just because I thought that was interesting and I was curious where that liability does lie Yeah, because they were pointing fingers at one another. So I guess we should sure. brief the yeah. audience on what I'm referring to. Yeah, I'll let go Dave... for it. Oh, okay, fine. I will do it. <laughs> so <clears throat> from what I remember of the story that I read, there was this restaurant. This man went in, ordered a beer, took a drink of it, felt immediately sick, was projectile vomiting, burning in his throat and his stomach he was vomiting blood went to the hospital um there was a corrosive agent in the beer line they believe which corroded like a quarter of his stomach i believe the article said and has burned his esophagus and whatnot so he was suing was refusing to settle and his attorney said because they feel like these facts should be in the public record we need to litigate this case so this is you know so everybody is aware of this potential danger but the restaurant 
you know, denied any sort of wrongdoing. They said that the cleaning company had come in to clean the, the beer lines. Well, the cleaning company, the beer company said, no, we absolutely did not come in that day. We don't have any record of having come in that day if they were keeping good calendars. Oh, it is. It is a calendar thing. And I, I saw right at the end, it said that they had destroyed their calendars. Did they Did they actually destroy or was that the insinuation by the... I think that they were insinuating that they must have destroyed their records because there's no possible way this caustic agent would have gotten into the beer lines. But for the company coming and cleaning it, the restaurant wouldn't have been able to put any corrosive agent into these lines. Right. Or would choose to do that if they have a cleaning crew on call or scheduled to come. Right. Yeah. So anyways, terrifying. Right. So. Right. What's the, what's the moral of the story? Always have somebody else try it. <laughs> Always have first. your bartender take the first sip. Right. I think. Does this taste like toxic cleaning solution to you? <laughs> How does your esophagus feel on a scale from one to ten right now? Do you still have all of your stomach? <laughs> that is so scary. And and it, um, I mean, the the verdict was uh, three quarters of a million dollars, which doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like nearly enough for having your esophagus and stomach burned, chemically burned. Um, but that's what he got for it. I, I, I am so scared to drink tap beer. Can you? Okay, how do you repair that? I mean, is, do you just have a smaller stomach? Can they, I mean, I don't know medically what they can do. Oh, right, reduce I'm, the stomach size? I would think that, that yeah, I would think that you would just have to literally merge together what is left of the stomach. I don't know that there's any other, do they have some sort of a synthetic material that could? Sanjay Gupta's on the line right now. <laughs> Sanjay, what would you do in this situation? I'm just thinking, yeah, in terms of are there you know, future surgeries he's going to have to endure because of this? Or is it kind of a, they can go and stitch the stomach up to what it is and it's kind of like, a, well, he got weight loss surgery I, kind of at the same time. Yeah, I feel like it's probably not the good result where it's like, maybe he's going to be skinny now. You're welcome. <laughs> I think it's more like he's confined in most things right. that he can do now. He Fun gets his nutrition through the through an IV from here on. <laughs> well, I don't know because I guess I don't know what the bounce back ability of your esophagus and stomach is. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, I'm no scientist. <laughs> so, so wait, wait again. You, so Patrick, you are not a scientist. I'm not a scientist. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'd imagine there's probably some permanent damage to the gastrointestinal lining, which could potentially lead to like. Ooh, I think I we have know, a doctor over here, guys. A, a, a possibility of infections later on and. I don't know, cancer. I feel like John Carroll uh, from the wonderful reality show Survivor needs to come on. He's also a local attorney, OBA member, friend of the pod. We need to bring him on to ask him about this. He's also He was also an ER nurse before becoming an attorney. Um, so he has all the qualifications to talk to us about this. Yeah, I think we need to establish some sort of a medical legal partnership for the podcast. Absolutely. And Dave, can I just once again quickly say, your encyclopedic knowledge of reality television is so, so that sad. That is pretty impressive, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is well, visibly upset over I, here. Um, some of us read books, other people so, watch reality TV. So sad. <laughs> uh, is there anything else? Do we need to open another beer? Is it time for another beer? I'm, I'm getting close. Do the sound <laughs> round two. You can do the. Yeah, I'm just gonna. You should do it like every minute, just so it sounds like we're just getting. Tamed. <laughs> it was. It's the funny thing. It's my calendar. I'll see you, calendar. You shut up. Skis. <laughs> it was a ski fitting. Oh, I'm going over to Bradley's to have some skis with Summers and. We're gonna shotgun some skis and talk Kavanaugh. We're not talking Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh with C. Well, one one more thing I'll throw out there on the on the beer side of things. I, I looked up online. There's an attorney in San Diego, and she puts herself out there as the craft beer attorney. Does she represent all the breweries, and that's her niche? Yes. I saw that article actually. She wants to represent all the breweries, and that's her. Fascinating. Her. It's fa- it, but it's fascinating because the so there's the copyright thing, right? And there's the trade uh, there's the trademark first and foremost, of the brand, everything like that. If you have a brand that's a pretzel and a bunch of lettering on a beer can, you're what we're drinking right now, which is Rar and Sons Brewing Company. Rar. Rar. But there's also the, uh, the that's something I, I'm really interested in, in, in the recipe, the IP. There's a ton of trademark work, 
trademark. <laughs> so might I assume that they they trademarked this pretzel in in, uh, in craft beer brewing between the obviously the recipes, but really more the the graphics and artwork and branding and names. I mean, every beer they come up with, probably if it, if you're on a a big enough scale, you should be trademarking the names of your beers. So Patrick, I know you're not a scientist, but would you say that you are a you could potentially be in a position to be the craft beer attorney for Omaha? Well, we've been doing a fair amount of trademark work, if anyone's listening. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Patrick and I like the shameless plug. I like beer, also. <laughs> he's not just your attorney, he's also a fan of your products. Yeah, but no, there's there's a ton of stuff we can file trademarks on. For a reasonable rate, obviously. I'm McNamara. Yeah, McNamara Law Firm. This is a good time to tell everybody on the podcast that we are officially sponsored by... The Daily Record of Omaha, that is the legal news publication here in Omaha of record. The Daily Record, it is a wonderful publication. They are great. We do a lot of our publishing through them. I recently, because we were out of the jurisdiction, had to publish somewhere else, and they spelled two things wrong in about a 30-word paragraph. So How, don't they just copy and paste? I guess not. I don't know. But Daily Record is awesome because... We publish all the time. They get everything right always. Absolutely. Big friend of the pod. Big friend of the Omaha Bar Association, the podcast, the Barristers Club. That's right. All of it. Daily Record is the place to go. Go get your subscription today. All right. Time to move on. This is like two months. Maybe a hint of lime now? Are we... That was impressive. Can I ask why we keep saying hint of lime when talking about uh, scooters? Scooters. So the hint of lime uh, comes from That sounds lime terrible. Scooters. I don't like lime in my coffee. In your coffee? Scooters. Is that one of the oh, brands? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the main Sorry, brands guys. right now. <laughs> so we're talking about dockless electric scooters. And the main brands out there right now, and it's a small market. But Do you want to explain quickly. first what dockless electric scooters scooters are? Scooters. I had to look up earlier what dockless electric scooters were, and I did not know. So, Dave, you tell us. So uh, I like beer. In, in other locales uh, near us, actually, Minneapolis, Denver, Milwaukee, Mil- Milwaukee, Kansas City, they have. Electric scooters, which everybody knows is a two-wheel scooter with a handlebar. Does everybody know that? What is an electric scooter? An electric scooter uh, does not need any sort of uh, foot propulsion. Propulsion? Propulsion. Propulsion. <laughs> Instead, you... I make the scooter. You scooter. make this scooter go up to 15 miles an hour by just turning the handlebar, and it goes... Um, they it's can they can go up to I think twenty miles on one charge. It's a dollar to unlock the scooter. It's fifteen cents per minute. After that is what Lime does. Birds is another one. Uber just got into the market. It's all that Silicon money that, that Silicon Valley money that's trying to get to these um, these new startups. So they're not established yet, and they're trying to gain traction by just throwing their electric scooters down on a street street corner, having people download the app, see where the scooters are, go to the scooters that they see on the app, like an Uber model, and then unlock the scooter and go. Now, Dave, you mentioned unlocking the scooters. That's a bit of a misnomer. Am I saying that, am I correct? As uh, you mentioned, they're dockless, right? They're do- so so that's the kind of the, the confusion and the, and the bad part is that uh, somebody will be done with the scooter and they'll just, they'll park it on a street corner on a sidewalk um, on the grass they'll just leave it and so the next person comes along there's no lock that they've actually locked it up with they've told the app to not let the scooter start up and so it is a an electric on off situation so it's electrically locked I guess I would, I would call it. I would assume the throttle doesn't work until you've actually paid or there's right, something right. but my question yeah is so I don't know how they shut off. So I'm assuming you prepay. I don't know if there's if, if it just charges you until you stop, or if you can say I'm gonna go five miles and then. It's like an Uber. So uh, you, well, except you don't tell it a destination. So it's just the clock is running. It has a card on file, and it's pre it's pre 
um, set to like fifty dollars, and then it'll lower to the balance once you. What get if up. you're going beyond fifty dollars? They're yeah, going to take that you. first fifty dollars, and they're going to go get another fifty dollars. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, in. if I only have fifty dollars in my checking account, oh. and it's pre-authorized for the fifty dollars, and then I'm I'm riding and I hit the fifty dollar <laughs> increment, <laughs> does it just go and I fly over I, the handlebars? I think the scooter doesn't have enough juice to get you $50 worth. I think it's at most like a $25. That would make sense. Right. And and so it's interesting. I've seen these. Um, I was just out in California and I saw these in action around Lake Tahoe and it was scary and wonderful at the same time um, because they're on the sidewalks, they're on the street, they were all over, they weren't following the rules, nobody had helmets on, but it was super cool. And, and I pulled up the app and I could see that this one next to me only has one bar left, so it can only go up to five miles. So if I want, so when do these? When do they one, get recharged? They just the company. So then picks I, oh, they yeah, have chargers that go out and charge them, and they get paid like five to twenty bucks a scooter to it, go charge it's them. It's a it's a gig economy sort of thing. So I see guys with with ratty trucks throwing all these in the back of their trucks, and they probably take them to their house and they just plug them in, hmm. in their. And then put them out in the yeah. in society. They, they put them back in hot spots where people need to use them. So around bars, around you know sports arenas and things like that. And they're used five times more than the bikes of the similar model. So the scooters gonna, are super popular. And I was gonna say because I know with at least the bikes, for instance, one of the attorneys in my office said that he went to <clears throat> to Notre Dame for a game, and it's they Notre had. Dame, sorry. Right. You ride your scooter to Notre, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. I think most people see Notre Dame. <laughs> So, so the, <laughs> the, anyways, the, the point of my story is that they had Lime bikes there and they, like, there was a giant problem because they would just be littering, like, parking lots. Like, there would yes. just be them, you know, you go to Target and there would just be Lime bicycles just thrown around just anywhere, middle of the sidewalk. I guess there was a little kid at one point that was trick-or-treating on Halloween and he tripped over the bike because it was just lying in the sidewalk during, you know, at, And I'd say to that night. kid... Watch out, there's a bike laying in the like so well, lime green bike. <laughs> okay, but I don't know how dark it was. I don't know what the street light situation was. It was where a blind kid. Don't you feel like a trip now? <laughs> it was a little blind anyways, kid in a costume. I mean, obviously that's a huge issue, but also I think the major issue is where do they transport? Where do they drive? Are they on the streets or are they on the sidewalks? Because like, that's that's kind of the, the I, rub was what it seems to me right now. Guys, I can put all of your fears at rest about scooters taking over the Omaha market for a couple of practical reasons. Are uh, these geared to Omaha in particular? Yes, specific to Omaha. Because it should be on its way here very shortly. So, yeah, like, in, this after- so if you guys <laughs> remember... We have about nine months of winter here in Omaha. (laughs) We have three months where we live on the sun, and then nine months where it's a frozen hellscape, right? Uh, So during those nine months, those scooters would be effectively useless and worthless. Uh, During the other three months, if you also remember, we live in a very hilly, hilly place. Right. Where I, I feel like... That scooter's not going to get the job done. Not, not going to get me up a hill. <laughs> no. Well, and I think that's, but I think that's the thing about the scooters over the bikes, bikes. is because it really it requires no effort you know, by the help. person. They just yeah. they just twist a handlebar and it goes. And, and so scoot, that's you scoot. Which brings scoot. me to my third point. Just imagine a worm. I don't know what the average weight of an Omaha is, Dave. <laughs> I'm not a scientist like Patrick. <laughs> No, no, he's clearly said that he is not a But I think if we have icy roads, if we have icy roads, steep hills, Mm. and a girthy Omaha on on these scooters, we got a recipe for disaster, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't see this as the perfect market for it. And I heard, this is on NPR a few weeks ago, they had some of the CEOs come in from some of the smaller companies, not the Lime company, but... They said that it was it was really you have Uber for the longer distance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, nailed it. But they said that Uber is for the longer trips. That's what that's what Uber and Lyft are for. But the shorter trips, the you know the mile increments, the in in the city centers, that's really what this is all for. This is for the smaller, shorter commutes to get you from A to B. Why don't one of the little Ford Electra, I think it's like the Ford C Max or whatever, has a battery powered scooter like built into the trunk so you can like pull up to i don't know near your destination yeah and then just like pull this thing out and it charges off your vehicle and so you can just grab it out and like hop on your scooter i don't know and go wherever you gotta go on your 
Ford scooter. Ford C Max. Now again, and for those not from Omaha, the Omaha area, if you want to, I know get we have a ton of listeners a lot outside of the outside region. The area. But if you want to but if you want to get if you want to get an idea for what the typical I think Omaha would look like on the scooter, I pulled up a picture. Remember the, the the fat twins on the motorcycles from the old Guinness Book World Records? I do. I think this is I think this is pretty. Pretty accurate. Whoa, Joe. Okay, somebody was talking about them recently, and I think it might have been another podcast I was listening to reference those two men, which well, is hilarious. The, the, like, in the last two days. They kind of look... They're, they're the most top-looking? Yeah. The, the, the heaviest set of twins, identical twins in the history of the world? Is that right? Well, they were as of the 80s. They, were they this, the same exact weight? I gotta say, this picture's in black and white, so I have worries about their health right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any, like, fattest person records from the 80s are still... (laughs) That's one thing where we've kept improving. With our buffet technology going through the roof. Okay, I do have a question. So, do we have any Lime bicycle type thing here? Because I've never seen those. We have Bicycle Share. Omaha B-Cycle. Yep. B-Cycle. Okay. We got Susan Reff on here. She's she's like on the board for that, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, so... Hey, Susan, I'm sure you're listening. (laughs) Not... (laughs) Hightower Ref at a new location. Nicholas Street. Nicholas Street by the West Roads Mall. Very close to me. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The... (laughs) What were we talking about? We were talking about Omaha bike oh, shit. Oh, yeah, the bike share. Yes. So a B-Cycle here in town is a um, city... You watch your mouth. It's a city nonprofit co- collaborative that I, I think is actually... It's not doing all that well, but they keep on expanding it, trying to make sure that it can well, turn, the turn some it's, sort of profit. It's, it's wholly in the red. I'm but, sure it's not doing well because Omaha's not a bike-friendly city. I mean, there's really very few streets that actually have a bike lane which is kind of tying back to my earlier point that with these scooters, I feel like the only cities they can be successful in are ones where they actually have designated bike lanes. I don't know how fast they can go. I don't know what mile per hour they go is comparable to biking. And so that's the problem that I have is, you know, obviously pedestrians don't want them on the sidewalks. Um, Motorists don't want them in the roads. But if there were a designated actual bike lane... I mean, I mean, we've been getting better with those any bike lanes in town, but I mean, motorists legit in this town treat bicyclists and pedestrians like they are escaped from mental institutions. It's like, what are they doing? Walking through the streets, like... It's true, but I think it's, I mean, it's in large part because the city historically has not been like a pedestrian-friendly city right. other than downtown. Right. I mean, if you're anywhere probably west of like 20th street almost i mean unless you're in a pocket like midtown or blackstone people don't expect anyone to be really walking Yeah, like legit if you see someone walking down dodge street things are not going their way that day (laughs) that is plan b like no 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 one walks down dodge well we we have some downtown at least we have a lot of one-way streets and i feel like that's the first place to put in a a bike lane is Mm -hmm. where you have people going the same direction. You already have some room, maybe. To, to it's already like seven lanes wide on most of those. Well, so. and I would assume that there's obviously a difficulty anywhere in implementing this, just because if you go from not having a bike lane to having a bike lane, and all of a sudden there's an influx of bicyclists on the road, there's going to be an acclimation period where motorists aren't used to having to look sure. out. Because I, I mean, I even think when I drive, um, like in terms of on the sidewalk. A pedestrian I'm looking for, they're walking slowly enough that they're in my field of vision and I can see them. What I really dislike is when there's a bicyclist, you know, coming towards me right. on, a, on a sidewalk and I go to turn and they have just like, for my purpose, out of nowhere, they're just zooming towards me and I have to slam on my brakes to not hit them while they're those coming bi- through. Those bicyclists, bicyclists, I like beer. <laughs> we are going to do a mashup of all of the mispronunciations. I this feel like fantastic. those bicyclists... <laughs> they're they're supposed to follow the rules of the road, right? They if, are. If they're if they're following if they are on the sidewalk, it's pedestrian rules, right? And so they have to get off and walk yeah. their their bike through a crosswalk. To I actually did not know that that rules. was a rule. Why well, else they're they're ticketable? I looked up just before. I think downtown is the only place where you can't be on the sidewalk. I think everywhere else in town, I I think they allow them on the sidewalk, but I think you are supposed to defer to the walking pedestrians. And so the the point that I'm making is people can travel on bicycles much quicker, obviously, than you can walk or even run. And so 
there is always, in my opinion, an acclimation period when you have this influx of people on these devices, whether it be a scooter or whether it be a bike, and they're traveling at a much faster rate than you would expect for somebody. Well, and, and obviously, for, in terms of the road, if they're in the bike lane, it's a much smaller vehicle that you're looking out for. And I think a lot of people have, I don't know if tunnel vision is the right word, but they're looking for other cars. They're looking for pedestrians on the sidewalk. They're not necessarily looking for this bicyclist coming up on their right. When I was so. looking the other day, because I'm a lazy bum and try to cut corners, I wanted to buy an e-bike. You know, yeah. I was looking at one of those. Yeah. And <laughs> that's where they, so to the kind of the main shaft, they have a trade Whoa. To the main shaft, <laughs> I like beer. To the main shaft, they have uh, just kind of a, a battery-operated assist, and you can put it on low, medium, or high. And let me tell you, I did a test ride. If you put that sucker on high, you are flying, and you're hardly pedaling anything. And so I was kind of asking the the bike shop people, what's what are the laws about this? And you know, obviously, you can bike in the street like normal, but it's the uh, uh, for for like the designated bike paths, like Keystone right. and those. There is a, even if you're on a bike, a 20 mile an hour speed limit oh. on those. So, like, because you could get going well over that on an e-bike if you were pedaling really hard. Because with that assist, you are flying on right. the rocket. Well, and, and some of these are um, electronically assisted bikes. Mm-hmm. Some of these share bikes are. But I, I want to go back to Jordan's point, which that bikes can go faster than people running. Jordan, you get on a bike. I will run. We will see who goes faster. I have a trek, so this let's a, do this. This is a man versus machine scenario? This is going to be a video Day podcast. Versus the machine. <laughs> Isn't it great? So this, so fun fact, we're here at Bradley Law. This, in the 60s, was a dance club called Sandy's Escape. Was it really? Uh, and Sandy's Escape was started by uh, the, you know, Sandy, who was a famous DJ back then, who, who was a rock and roll DJ. And my, my dad actually, we're in Benson, my dad went to Benson High, and sometimes we'll come over here to Sandy's Escape to... You know, I'm sure not drink underage, and uh, and no, this was this was a famous dance club. And actually, ooh, hold on. So my dad had his 50th Benson High School reunion two weeks ago, and they busted out this this from the Benson High News. My dad uh, running the mile. He's he's got the Bradley physique, which is basically a skin and bones and a thin layer of. Uh, not muscle, <laughs> but also in the lower canon, we got an advertisement for Sandy's Escape. We're we recording right here. So, that. fun fact. Look at that. But now, okay, so we're on the lower level. Yep. Was Sandy's Escape on the... On it was, the it was both. It was, a, it, was, it was a club, both levels. Duplex club. And then later on, this had to be a restaurant because whenever we lose power, I go into the power grid and the lights in here are the main dining room. <laughs> we, we're in the main dining room, guys. So if you're hungry, that's why. <laughs> that that'd be an interesting historical society dive to see the history of this building and what was here. Well, yeah. So Sandy's Escape was apparently very hip, very hip, very hip, and then super shady, and then close. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. And what was Sandy escaping from? Oh, I think moms and dads. You know. Okay. Okay. Get out of the house, crazy kids. Monday, Monday to Friday grind. Yeah. 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 Escaping to the beach for beach week. That's right. Oof, but we're not talking about it. We talked about it when you were growing. I always wanted to go. I remember the cool kids always had beach week on their calendars. I never had that on my calendar. Yeah, no, I know, and I had so many friends week. named Ralph. Yeah. And we'd be like, oh, beach week, going down to beach week to the shore. Going down to the shore of beach week. My, my wife from... Uh, California denies that we even have beaches anywhere Wait, here. She's where like, where are your other wives from? As opposed to your wife from <laughs> Oh no, there's no somewhere beaches. else. There are oh, no I, I have, oh, fun, fun hot take. I have a wife in all 50 states. <laughs> uh, and you know, c- come at me, bro, but that's that's how we do it in the Bradley family. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, so, one final thing I'll say on this electric scooter thing. It'll be interesting to see the city of Omaha attorneys, which are president-elect as a city of Omaha attorney, how they regulate these scooters coming in because it's happened in all the cities. They have to respond to it some way. Seattle's banned them. Seattle, you'd think they would be all about it. They're very densely populated. They need transportation options that are green, which this is ostensibly a green um, transportation option. But Yeah, they're they, very much against it. Yeah, Santa, Mon- Santa Monica has actually regulated this probably best. They have a certain number of scooters that are allowed, they'll increase it as they need to. They have all these, all these different regulations on it. Um, and other cities, they just find the hell out of these companies when they come in. And then finally, 
either allow it or not, but they will. And I think it'll ultimately be like the growing pains we saw around Lyft and Uber, where I agree. initially there was a lot of pushback and tickets and kind of fighting against it. And then, you know, now it's a part of our life, you know, and it's, it's something that makes our lives easier. So I think the, the test is not going to be, I think the pushback from local government, you know, will be short and brief and maybe intense. But I think the ultimate test of whether it sticks around is whether it's something that improves our lives here and is helpful here. Absolutely. Something interesting too. I'm just thinking of like standing up versus sitting down. I, I read an article about this. We are standing up right now, by the yes. way. That's right. We all have standing We're working desks like Dwight Schrute. <laughs> but there was this man in Indianapolis that was riding one of these scooters, and somebody was exiting a parking garage and hit him, and he yeah. fell and hit his head and was hospitalized. And so I'm just thinking there's. There's a little bit higher level of danger, I would assume, given the fact that you're standing as opposed to even sitting on a bicycle. I, I feel like it's a further from head to ground. I don't know. I've had some pretty epic bicycle wipeouts <laughs> in my day. There's also uh, a complete lack of training or anything mm-hmm. to let people know how to use these uh, vehicles. I just imagine somebody own. getting on one and just literally just full throttling it and right. popping a wheelie. Yeah, like people don't. I don't know how to ride. Actually, I had a, a razor scooter in college that I. Would of course, you did. I don't. Did you do that? that for a second, did you do yeah. that kick thing where you like kick your? I would jump scooter? up a way too high, th- uh, like ledges with it. But no, I wasn't doing spinny things. That's that, that was the meet cute with your wife, right? You bumped into her when you were on the razor. No, it was, it was she was like, man, this guy is foxy. Yeah. She's like, oh, he's got a scooter? Damn, I better get his I did number. get some chicks in college. Like, he looks like a scientist. Can you have two people on a scooter, on a razor scooter one time? Probably on a razor scooter. Depends on how you ride, Dave. You can get two people like on a, anything. If you had like a... Like an infant strapped to your back. Like, oh, that's the worst thing I've ever <laughs> heard. Oh it's my terrible. Gosh, infant. Strap a bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the baby from point oh, A to B in the fastest way possible. I don't have a car. Oh, Scooter. Okay. Patrick, you. I do want to jump in real quick. I did. I don't want. He, he likes beer. Research or or what? Probably not real research, but. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the articles kept saying all these cities were writing these cease and desist letters. Mm-hmm. And, like, what's a cease and desist letter really going to do? Like, let's get some injunctions going. Let's do some real lawyer stuff. That's true. That's it a good didn't point. seem like much work. So, like, Milwaukee, um, I think Milwaukee filed an injunction against a company called Bird. Are you willing to be contract the contract attorney for municipalities that need actual legal work done in these no, situations. Let's get Will Acosta Treo to file that thing. Although I think I'd be okay with the I don't know I don't know how I stand on the uh, scooter thing. Like I guess if they were brought here, I wouldn't be rooting Probably for one foot in front of the, the other, other I would say on a scooter, right? That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really fun. <laughs> but certain cities and then other cities are, are obviously voting on order or or ordinances. Guys, 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 guys. We're not uh, following our calendars very well. Right. And I saw right. that some of the cities are charging companies between a thousand and two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to operate. I'm assuming that right. some of the big coastal cities are the ones on the, the high end. It'll be interesting to see how the VC money plays out on this as they get further along and they have more stats on on usage and everything like that and, and model for making these things viable. Because right now it's just trying to be the biggest and best in a world where they're just getting. They're just throwing money at it. They're not even trying to make... Well, probably one or two of the companies are going to do really well, and they're just all hoping to be those yeah. one or two companies. Yeah. But, yeah, we do need to look at our calendars and move oh, this we have forward. More. We have to do this now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> checking your, your watch calendar. Jordan also has a watch calendar. I do. It's kind of nice. Uh, JoJo Bradley has nothing on his wrist. There was one day, actually, that I was driving to the courthouse to file something, and my watch was, like, meeting in 15 minutes, and I was like, whoops, and I back around. <laughs> this does not need to be filed right now, but I do need to make that meeting. So, yes. So this is a, so I'm throwing it out there to Pod Nation and to the people at the table, calendaring, how do you do it? What's your favorite? What's your least favorite? I'll say this for those non-attorneys out there. In Nebraska, if you have insurance, malpractice insurance specifically as an attorney, you need to have two calendars. You need to have in two different places specifically what 
your deadlines are for filing, what your cases are, everything like that. You have to show that you calendar two different places uh, or else you don't get malpractice insurance in Nebraska. So we've been told to calendar, 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 and I want to know what people are doing out here because I don't practice. I don't know what the calendaring is. I know the iPhone's great, but that's only one calendar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Joe? Well, I do the uh, I do the Outlook Outlook calendar, which syncs up to the iPhone, and you know, so it's I find them to be pretty helpful. I mean, sometimes I'll rely on the the paper calendar. At least that's what I would, of course, tell my insurer. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Out- Outlook is great because it's I, I get to put you know however far out a, a warning for the thing I have to do, and depending on how far I have to travel, I'll is you know I'll give myself an hour, or four hours, thirty minutes, whatever I need in order to get to where I need to be. And it's great because literally if if something is not on that Outlook calendar, it it does not happen. Like it's It's your end all be all. It is yeah. it is it is the paralegal of Bradley Law. <laughs> Mr. Bradley, you're late for court. I'm like, oh th- thank you, Calendar. I'll get right there. Jordan? I do the same thing, Outlook, and then I plug in my phone so it syncs to my phone calendar. I also do though like to keep a desk calendar just because I am weirdly on paper like in terms of like to-do lists i have to physically write things down i like to physically check things off Mm -hmm. and so i like to have that paper component as well just because it's something that i feel like i my phone is good about telling me when i have something but the paper calendar is what i consult more regularly if that makes sense when you say desk calendar are we talking underneath the keyboard no like like one of those big guys that like you tear off the giant sheet every month yeah yeah so then when you're going ahead, you have to yes. pull up. You have to clear your desk, pull up, write yes. down. So are you putting most of your entries in two places then? You're putting it, like if you find out you have a, a, a client coming in, you're putting it like next Tuesday. You're putting it on the on your paper calendar and in your phone? Not normally for client meetings, but for hearings, I like to have it. Okay. Yeah, just because... It's just something, I don't know why I find it easier to look at a paper calendar and I just, like I was an avid planner user when I was in college and law school. I just, I like having that planner. I like to, you know, be able to flick through. It just, for whatever reason, it's more intuitive to me than the technology is. Do you keep your desk calendars from from yesteryear, from past, and go over during the holidays maybe with your family? Do you talk about <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, you what had, are you talking about? Yeah, I no, I, I breach confidentiality regularly. <laughs> no, those things get shredded. Okay, so, all right. So it's done and yeah, yeah. it's in the shredder. We yep. all agree if someone, and again, we're not saying who, we're, no. if someone still has a calendar from the early 80s, that person is insane, right? <laughs> That is an insane person. Or that person or, had or, zero access to a shredder. Or and a there was hoarder. Or maybe like President Reagan or something. Like or right. Bob Graham. Or Bob Graham. We'll get back to Bobby here in a second. But oh, no, God. I would agree that keeping a calendar for that long is just very, very bizarre. Right. Or it's fake. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, and that's the other. So could you guys imagine, and again, we're not talking about it. No. But could you guys imagine? I think he has storage units that, like, this is like 1981 calendars, 1982. <laughs> I mean, but could you imagine going before, say, the Supreme Court, mm. and your piece of evidence is, Your Honor, my client is innocent. This calendar says no crimes all day. I'll be taking my acquittal now, please. Like, it's just bonkers. I think you should use that in your. Notes I would never. Pre- I would not events. prepare anything else for the case. Right. That would be well, my one. Calendar, why bother? Yeah. Can we do it's conclusive proof. Patrick, now you have a case management system that does some of the calendar. We right? don't use it for calendaring. You don't. Okay. So you can. So we use my case at my office. Um, we don't sync our calendaring with it just because it can sync with Outlook and Google Calendar and everything, but it would just show up as one single calendar. Like it wouldn't. There's. It's too limited the way it works. So we don't bother using that. We keep our calendaring separate through Outlook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that obviously syncs to their iPhone. We're all iPhoneers. Here. In his second yeah, form of calendaring, he etches dates on his wall. <laughs> yeah. No, I do do Sun that. Dial. I do do that. <laughs> right. But I will echo what Joe said that if it's not on my calendar, it's like it's not a, not a thing. Right, right. right. Does anybody, yeah. Does anybody journal? Do you journal? I don't journal, but I stress out when I know that I was supposed to put something on my calendar. Not I'm, And I'm not talking, for malpractice carriers out there, I'm not talking about like actual legal things but like 
you ever know you have like a social engagement or something and you're like, I know I have something, but it is not on the calendar wise. Or, or there's a date and you're going to be like, you're like, okay, October 12th, I know I have something, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But I know I, I, there was something that I needed to do that like, day. I'll put on the calendar something. Like I'll just block out. I'm like, I know I have something th- Tuesday afternoon. I'm just putting it on there. And, th- and this is why I log into Facebook half the time now is to see if I said I was interested in something because I don't I don't put it there anywhere else. And so I have to log back in and look at events to see. I'm just going to start creating events for client meetings and for hearings <laughs> on my Facebook. <laughs> I won't breach any rules. Yeah, no, are you guys coming? <laughs> That's going to be great. Interested, but not yet attending or not attending. You see, a little, little subcategory here, Dave. I never click interested on Facebook. I don't oh. tip my hand. I don't people know what I'm thinking about. I'll let you know if I'm going it's or like not going. You viewed the invites, but you have not responded. I view. I'll let you know. Oh. When I let you know, I'll let you know. Or maybe interested. I won't. Oh, maybe I, I won't. We be beefing right now. We be that, beefing. That is my worst. Y'all be beefing. Oh. <laughs> you need to tell me if you're interested in this or not, because well, no, I, I need to get a head count. If I'm interested, I will RSVP that I'm going. <laughs> yet, yet you may not go because you're just interested. You're not. See, I like clicking interested because that then you'll get bombarded with messages from whatever that that event is. You guys, I won't lie for social engagements. <laughs> I like to put interested as opposed to going or not going because I like to agree to do things prior to and then like it gets closer to me and I'm like, why did I say go to that? I just want to stay at home and watch Scrubs. And then the day comes and I'm like, yeah, I can't go. Yeah. There is nothing, the, the sure sign that you are getting older is realizing the joy of not doing something you're supposed to do. Of oh. like, oh, there's a social engagement I'm not going to do that. It feels so good. I saw a meme that was like, friend, oh, I'm going to have to cancel for tonight. 17-year-old me, oh, my God, what? 34-year-old me, oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, I I do want to talk just a second about Bob Graham, which uh, I believe he's a lawyer by trade, so we can throw in the lawyer thing here. But Bob Graham, senator from Florida, not to be confused with other senator... Or other Florida people. Or the other Florida senators... Uh, he has kept 4,000 calendars since 1977. They're like little hand notebooks. So they're about the size of a deck of cards, two to three days per calendar. It's a journal of everything he does. He wakes up, he goes on the treadmill. If he's burned 232 calories on the treadmill, he'll put it down that he walked two miles and burned 232 calories. He'll put down that he got a haircut. He'll put down everything in his day. And I love it so much because I love my Peloton calendar. I love my Fitbit calendar, my Garmin calendar. I love all the stats. And everyone's shaking their head at me I have very strong feelings on this, actually. Oh, my God. Please do not talk about documenting every single moment of your life. Well, I love it. No? The the problem, so like the, the article that you had sent that I read, yeah. I didn't read, read in its entirety, but I perused, I guess I should say. It's good lawyer um, there. So people talked. I read the title, okay? <laughs> no, but they, they were saying essentially that people thought that he was, ner- that this was a nerdy behavior of his. I don't think that it has anything to do with him being nerdy or oh, not. Oh, take offense to the word nerdy. No, I, th- I think it's more, it's it's almost like an OCD thing because I'm oh, thinking about yeah. how much of a lack of enjoyment you have to have in your life. I mean, think about the things that make you most happy to turn around and be like, God, put this in my calendar. And just the sheer amount of hours that he spends physically writing in his journal. Well, and I first just, off, yeah. I'm calling capital M full malarkey on the fact that he puts everything in there because, I mean... <laughs> Like, you know oh, as well as I, there are things that There's don't make the cut. Not making the count. There are yeah. embarrassing things that embarrassing things that don't make the cut. Embarrassing things that don't make the cut. No, no, no. From what I understand, like, people that calendar that. include every single day, every single thing they've done that day no, in their I gotta calendar. See, I guess he's calendars. There are no, there are, and and over the current uh, recent years, there are many people that have done this that have actually documented everything that's going on in their day. And I read that thing too, but to me it's almost like a, okay, I guess the problem that I have with it is that it feels like the same compulsion that I have to check things off my list. It's almost like I want to see the sheer, I want there to be like a vast amount of things that I've done in the day and that will make me feel like I've been productive is what these people are feeling when when they calendar these things almost because it's just, to me there's a sort of, 
not mania in a mental health way, but there is this like sort of an obsessive compulsive element to it. I mean, it's it depends on what he's doing it for. Like, if he's doing it for his own enjoyment, sure. I mean, if I was doing that, like, would it depress me to see, like, watched 10 episodes of Frasier in a row? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be depressing. <laughs> but, 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 Maybe that's well, what it is, because I would be very upset if I saw what I did in a day on a regular basis. See, maybe it's important to see, like, what people are counting for, what they're looking for. I don't know, because Bob Graham was able to use his... As like, hey, FBI, you're wrong. Yeah, or CIA, right. CIA, you're wrong. Yeah, but are you creating, like, are we creating calendars to avoid FBI investigations? Apparently they're impenetrable. They is are that, just the end-all, be-all on what we did on those days. I personally see a calendar as a safety net to make sure, like, I don't miss things that I can't afford to miss. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying, all right, let me... I make calendar an oral argument for a motion hearing, but I'm not going to calendar the time to write the, the motion. Right. See, and I would argue that Bob Graham's are more of a diary than they are a calendar because it is, it's 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 more of... No, but no, but it is because I think about like even like when you're dieting and you have a food journal or a food diary where you, you put in what you ate and how many calories and how many calories did you burn. That, and that it, is what it seems more akin to. Yeah, yeah right. right. Than, than an actual calendar because it's it's more of a recitation of what his day-to-day life was versus a scheduling thing for him. And yeah, it's, it's being written backwards rather than... Than, than forwards, yes, exactly. What I did, not what I... What I'm planning to do. But, but, Unless he already had in his mind, like, okay, next Thursday, 262 calories on the treadmill. <laughs> but on, so it's interesting because on some level with the technology that we have, you know, I, I go and I, I ride my stationary bike and because I'm wearing something on my wrist, because I'm wearing a heart monitor, it knows what I'm doing. Oh, I understand the satisfaction because I am told when I have met and, my goals, and I, I love that. I didn't even tell it that I was gonna. I was on a stationary bike or a, it knows. It knows I was walking outside. It had GPS on my phone. It knows. So it's calendaring what I didn't even write down. It is tracking it. Oh, yes. And for the criminal defense attorneys, for the people that are accused of things that they say did not happen I, f- I feel like we're in that world now where these are much these are much more reliable for that purpose <clears throat> than a handwritten journal I would obviously argue because these are these are recording data based off of location and time and they're things that I don't know how a lay person would alter in the same way that somebody could alter their handwritten account so, so your your watch Jordan that you're wearing right now mm-hmm. It's listening to what's going on at all times because it's looking, it's trying to listen for Siri, but it's actually listening, right? I mean, isn't it a thing that you can't take, government officials cannot take iWatches into secure briefings because it could be hacked by other states that are hacking iWatches and listening in? I I believe. I'm not sure, actually. Data that's being recorded and, and captured can make the handwritten calendars of 82 of yesteryear not even a thing because we can just we can just capture all this and know exactly what happened, where everybody was, where everybody's phone was, where they were on any given night for anything that happened, well, it, potentially, it, possibly, and hypothetically. Kind of, and kind of bringing it back to, you know, the, the Kavanaugh process that we've been watching here. Jim Kavanaugh. No, no, no. <laughs> and not to talk about, you know, the, the but, but the Kavanaugh process... I think this this is the beginning, I think, of of something that we're going to see happen a lot more. Where we're just with the inc- with each generation as we're going to see, we're just going to have a lot more information on people. Yeah. We're just going. I mean, we're going to know. I mean, there are there is someone who's going to be president someday that you know has posted very embarrassing thi- a lot of very embarrassing things, right. and it'll just be interesting to see how that works. Because I mean, you know, I mean. Like think about like all the, the the trail that the average you know millennial has out there right now. Like it's just going to be insane, and we're not even talking calendars. We're I've talking. had a Facebook since I was like fifteen years old. Right, that's upsetting. I mean, I don't know <laughs> I like what is all. Young. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> but but Jordan is eleven years old. <laughs> just so but the, the the posting is interesting because it's not even that. It's liking something like the, Ooh, my Twitter yeah, is. That that is now what it's down to, right? Yeah. Like, it, for Major League Baseball, this is a big thing. Is Somebody is pitching in the All-Star game this year and they liked racist posts when they were 15 years old on Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook. We're down to that level. It's, it's even the passive liking is now 
Well, what does it mean? Does it mean if you're gonna like something, you're endo- you're basically endorsing it, right? Ooh, I mean, well, that's a hot. That's a hottest of the hot takes. Patrick right? coming in with the hot takes today. I mean, if if you but don't agree with what it's what, saying, then what face are you making? Just the straight like. Well, and that's and I, I'm glad they've given us more choices because it's. Like on Facebook when someone posts my like, dad died. My, my dad died, oh, I like that. Right, like, right. As opposed to like sad face emoji. Right. Yeah. Well, that always feels a little... Are you endorsing the shallow. dad died if you like Well, like, what are you, like what, it's an emoji, they're all shallow. I know, but I mean like, <laughs> oh, my dad died, and you're like, sad face emoji, it just doesn't feel quite... It's better than nothing. Well, better than laughing face emoji. <laughs> okay, but I, I think that... <laughs> Got a little bit away from words. Well, Sorry. So, no, just that's great, everybody. Thank you for all of your hot takes <laughs> and perfected pronunciations of the words today. We're signing off. We-